Welcome to Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. <laughs> Bienvenidos empacadores sin fronteras, dos papás dedicados al amor, la risa y los empacadores de Green Bay. Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. Two dads talking love, life, dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Verde y amarillo hasta la muerte. Rainy Monday, Oak Bank, Manitoba, underwater, bring an ark. You know, we got to, we, we have these things. Do you have these? We have like weather alerts on our phones. Do you have those where like if there's a tornado or something, your phone will light up and give you a warning? Yeah. I, I mean, we get one every 67 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, 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 this has been the year of getting them. And today, this morning's uh, weather uh, alert uh, it went, nah, 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 nah. and you're like, what's going on? You pick up the phone and it says, start gathering the animals two by two and bring them to the ark. That's what it said. Oh my God. It did not say that. You made that. No, up. no, I made that up. There's so much rain. So it's been a couple of hours. It's been raining. We've already had over an inch of rain. We're expecting at least two more inches of rain today. Here's the best part. Tomorrow, about a half inch. Thursday, anywhere from two to four inches of rain that'll go into Saturday morning. And my customers are calling me going, so uh, what day do you think? I was going to ask you, when are you going to start? Because you have, oh. I mean, you had everything lined up. You knew there was going to be a couple days of rain here, but you figured you're going to get that out there at least Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now, yeah, nope. so two. Tuesday's off the books. Thursday's off the books because of rain. So we, we could possibly work Wednesday this week. Hmm. This is spring. This is the thing. You have to you have to pick your days in between the rain. And because of the work that we're doing right now, we're doing a spring cleanup. So that's power raking and that's aerating. Yeah, the ground has to be thought out and it has to be fairly dry, like 90% dry at least, right? Because when you run that power rake on there, those big metal teeth, if it's wet, if it's wet, it'll just it'll completely destroy. Oh, there'll be nothing left. There'll be nothing left, right? So, and then the aerator, that thing plugs, puts those holes in there. I, I will turn lawns into Swiss cheese like quick, right? <laughs> so I know people are getting antsy and I know that, you know, and, and I get it, right? I, I saw all my retired neighbors out there yesterday, the only dry day, and they were hand raking and they were getting everything ready and they were puttering around the house, right? Probably staying away from the wife for the afternoon or something. Who knows what's going on in that household, right? I get it. I see them out there and we're all itching to get summer started. The kids and I, we are chomping at the bit to get to the lake. Like you wouldn't bloody believe, right? We're, we're talking about it probably three, four times a day. Right. But patience, patience is a virtue, right? Remember in Canada, you know, May showers bring June flowers. <laughs> I was going to say that that's like a month. That's El Paso is, April showers bring May flowers, but we don't get any rain in April. We get rain in July once it's you know, really, really hot. 
We don't, uh, like last year at this time, last year at this time, we were done all of our spring cleanups and we were putting in patios and decks and stuff and going full steam. Right. I, I had uh, I had uh, all my trucks out, all my employees out and we were hiring. In fact, I got a notice on uh, my Facebook page for my uh, business under memories that uh, last year uh, today we put out another ad for another four more people. Right. And here I am just trying to get the crew started. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So and, and as I sit here, I've got another another gentleman. Hi, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like it if you did this and this and this. Can you do it this week? There's nothing we can do this week, unfortunately. This is the life of the landscaper. Next week looks really promising. The week after looks really good too. Nice warm temperatures, nice and dry. And because I'm experienced enough in my business, and I and I say this with a badge of honor, because it's like I did I did eight tours of duty. You know what I mean? Right. Because I because I'm experienced enough, I know to we have to stop taking bookings and we have to start knocking them off the list before we take more people. Mm -hmm. So we've actually been sending people, uh, a couple of them to a little bit of my competition that's out here in town, and a couple of them to uh, in the city. I know a couple of guys who are really good guys that uh, haven't filled up their books yet. So you know, you kind of pass the love around a little bit and uh, hope it, hope it comes back. Um, we're going to get into a uh, mailbag. What's that? Mailbag. <laughs> Not the one with hair, but with an envelope. <laughs> It's not the one with hair. It's with an envelope. That's the one. That's the one you're talking about. So, so we had a we had a couple of questions, um, and I will say, okay, first I will say, uh, Mike and uh, is it, I want to say it's Cheyenne, but it might be Shailene. I'm terrible with these. <laughs> I'm terrible with these. Uh, so they signed all the draft uh, class players. So uh, that should answer all of those uh, questions. And then we have Yuri, Yuri uh, from Brussels. Okay, uh, Yuri, um, please send us, you know, chocolate from Brussels. That would be great. Okay, so first question, um, specifically, this one's specifically for Matt. How is the CFL? Is it any good? Is it at least entertaining? And do I have a favorite CFL team? Okay, uh, this the, this will be quick. How is the CFL? A lot of Canadians enjoy it. I really don't like to watch it. Okay, even though I played it and coached it, I don't like to. I don't like to watch it. It it's it's not entertaining for me. I know that uh, three downs is supposed to make it a bit more of an offensive game. I know that uh, with two minutes left, you can still have eight or nine possessions, change, change of possessions. So that's supposed to increase. I mean, man, I've watched a game one time with three minutes left. It was 17-14 and the game ended 31-28. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? I, I like more the chess match of the NFL with that extra down. It makes the running game a lot more prevalent. Right? Um, is it entertaining? A lot of people think it's entertaining. A lot of people watch it. A lot of people are diehard fans. And in fact, there's many people and they like to tell me stories about how, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Edmonds uh, plays for the Edmonton Eskimos, but he could easily 
play for Seattle. He just doesn't want to leave Edmonton because he likes it so much. Yeah, Bruce making $40,000 a year in Edmonton doesn't want to leave to go into Seattle to make half a million dollars a year because he likes Edmonton that much. Right. Come on, give your head a shake, right? Yeah, it's just a different... <laughs> My experience yeah. with the CFL is I've seen it a handful of times, you know, and it's just the rules are different. It is just it's not the same game. That's that's the way I look at it. The NFL reigns supreme, as we all know, but it's just I don't think it's trying to be the NFL either, which is why it's successful. Right. It's a completely different market, something that they're completely looking at. And it's and it's nationally based. People in the U.S. do not see the CFL. So the field is uh, wider. The field is uh, longer. Uh, the end zones are uh, longer. Uh, there's an extra player on the field. There's 12 men on each field. You have three downs uh, to get a first down. Uh, people go, oh, you, you can get a rouge. So what a rouge is, is if you punt it through the end zone, they give you a single point. Okay, if you punt it through the end zone. It's to encourage teams to catch the ball in the end zone and bring it out. It's to encourage so the opposite offense, of right? players and so what they do is is that <laughs> right yeah they're like just truck that guy but they give you the five yard rule so when you're returning a kick you can't touch the guy until he's touched the ball you have to be uh, five yards away from the guy while he's in the mix of catching the ball okay okay so there is a little player safety there but trust me that five yards is half of a blink of an eye if that guy catches the ball by the time he has brought it into his chest, somebody is in full torpedo mode Absolutely. at full speed, right? So if you bring it out of the end zone, if you if you catch a punt or a kick in your end zone and you bring it out to like the one or two yard line, they put it on the 20 yard line. So it's like a touchback. They're trying to encourage you to bring the ball out. Okay. Okay. Right. There's a couple of different rules too. Like there has to be an onside guy from when you punt and the onside guy is another guy that's as deep as the punter. Okay. And then when the punter kicks the ball, he can take off and that guy can recover the ball. Everyone else can't recover the ball on the punt. So then you don't have these punts that are just dropped on the ground. And that's that because the other team can quickly recover them with their onside guy. So it forces teams to do more special teams because trust me, there's an awful lot of punting in the CFL. It's, it's incomplete pass, incomplete pass, punt, incomplete pass, incomplete pass, punt, two-yard run, incomplete pass, punt. There's a why lot of... Even, why would you even run the ball with three downs? Because it's technically two downs and then a punt, right? This is, yeah, this is, listen, this is their game. Um, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm knocking it. Uh, if I had a favorite CFL team, I guess it would be Winnipeg Blue Bombers because I'm, I'm from Winnipeg. I live next to Winnipeg, right? I guess that would be it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, Yuri, find it very entertaining. Um, myself, not as much. Are you going to see some good guys in there? You'll, you'll see a handful of good players in there. Remember, an awful lot of these players that are playing in the CFL are American players. Right. That didn't make it in the NFL. That's a lot of what happens. Yep. Right. Don't forget to uh, Flutie, Warren Moon. They all came from the CFL, went to the NFL, blew it up. Right. There's so, so some crossover. It happens. Kurt Warner also played CFL, didn't he? Or was he, I, did he go from growth? No, he was arena. He was arena. arena he was football. arena. That's what it was. Yeah. Arena football. Right. Where you're seeing Terrell yeah. Owens right now beat up on 21 year old guys. Exactly. Um, Give it a give it a whirl, Yuri. Give it a whirl. You know, a lot of guys really swear by it. They think it's the greatest thing. My uncles, my brother, they think it's 
this is what they watch all the time, right? Uh, my Both my uncles, they don't watch the NFL at all. They only watch the CFL. My brother, he's a Saints fan and a CFL fan. So, you know, what are you going to do? Um, I have a question for Bruce as well, says Yuri. What is your job right now? I understand you just got a new job, but I don't really understand what it is. If you could give us details and or your social insurance and credit card numbers. Sure. My <laughs> wife asks me the same question all the time. What the hell do you do? So in a nutshell, I do what's called health informatics, which is like, oh, I'm this is me in a nutshell. <laughs> um, it, it's health and it's healthcare analytics. So it's basically assessing data and numbers, data mining of patient information. So looking at patient outcomes and seeing what treatments work on a patient, whether it's diabetics. And then there's a series of, of basically measures like quality measures that the federal government for Medicare releases to say, okay, if you're diabetic, we expect you to do an A1C, do an LDL, with, which is cholesterol, you know, and just several different testing things to try to keep it preventive because that's the way that they're going to try to save money is keeping people out of the hospital, keeping them healthy as you grow up. So my job uh, for 13 years was going in, training doctors on quality, and then helping them report on those measures. That's kind of basically what we did because they would get penalized if they not if they did not do a good job taking care of patients, basically. Um, now I've transitioned into the government has decided that they do not want to manage micromanage individual doctors all over the United States. So they're pushing these doctors into larger groups. So whether a hospital system goes up and partners or, or purchases different practices, it's easier for the government to manage a group of doctors under a hospital or like the company that I work for now is basically doing the same thing from an insurance level where they partner with insurances. And then you try to partner with doctors to kind of what, what are called covered lives. So every patient is considered a covered life. So they try to get like these pools of patients into one pool that they can manage it in one shot, as opposed to just individual doctors all the place. And I'm, I'm helping kind of create that network of groups of patients in one that you can manage from a quality standpoint. Boring. Wow. <laughs> if you thought that was entertaining, Yuri, you're going to love the CFL. <laughs> You're going to see, you can see why I'm, I'm the numbers dude. And back to the original mailbag question, I guess we're kind of going to address this a little bit, Matt, from a salary cap standpoint, because Ken Ingalls tweeted out um, a few days ago, but it just, it got me thinking, Mike, I've got a bit of a concern here um, because we talked about this prior to the draft, but here is where we are. If I can just disappear, what are you doing? Here it is. All right. So once we've signed everybody and we went through the rigmarole of the actual draft, so as of 5-2, right, which was a week ago, this is prior to us looking at what we we're going to sign, and, we've, and we just talked about signing all of our draft picks, so we're done. So if we were at $14.165 million of cap space after the Devontae Adams, after everything we've done heading into the draft. Now, once we have signed all of our draft picks, which is what the question was, it was 8.86, it's $8.86 million that it took, basically essentially $9 million to sign our draft picks. We already saw all the contracts. They're kind of pigeonholed in. The only thing that you really see with draft picks um, is not the money. It's how much of that is guaranteed. Right. And that is actually pretty telling to see who's going to make the team or not. And it, 
we'll talk about this as well. But ultimately, effectively, as soon as the season starts, once everybody's signed with the 90 players, well, we have 89 to 90 players kind of floating in and out right now um, that are trying out potential signings. We are actually negative $1.2 million projected heading into the season. And we've talked about this. Something's got to give. Something's Something's got to give. I mean, you just finished saying it just a few minutes ago, too. We have no money. We have to have money to get into the season. I mean, possible cuts, maybe Lowry. You know, that may freeze up six, but six isn't enough. Uh, We re-sign Jair. Maybe that gets us six to eight. Right. So that would be 12. That gets us closer. But we've got to have somewhere in that in that late teens, you know, 17, 18, 19 million dollar range. Somewhere in there is where we've got to be. I don't I don't see it anywhere, especially with Lazard, Lazard, Mason Crosby are the only other two players that we can even do anything with. Right. But Lazard is holding out for more money. He hasn't signed his RFA. Yeah, exactly. So he's looking. There's no money. There is a hole in the bag and all the Cheerios have spilled out onto the floor. And now Russ Ball and Goot are reaching into an empty bag and there's nothing, there's no more Cheerios. And we've got Lazar going, I need more Cheerios. This is, this is kind of a, a little bit, it's a little bit frustrating as a fan and it's a little bit scary, especially since the wide receiver room Hello, we need as many guys who have played with Aaron as possible out there. And I know Lazar isn't technically a number one, but we can By definitely... By default, ha- he is right now. Yeah, we could definitely use him on the field. I could guarantee you that. And the Sammy Watkins contract is structured to where he might not make the team. So I'm flipping back and forth between he can be the one and dominate or he can't even be on this team. He might not even make the team. Yeah. And and it's still a hole. Like as much as we've addressed it and we're super excited about these rookie wide receivers and what they're going to bring, it's not going to be an automatic 1400 yards and 14 touchdown season for these guys. It's not going to happen. I mean, I guess you get the Justin Jefferson's and the Jamar chases and I get that recency bias, but that's not historically what happens. Right. And there was, um, I, I heard a podcast and I wish I could remember who it was um, over the weekend while I was driving around, you know, Mother's Day buying just stuff that we needed to make, get the yard fixed up. And I was listening to somebody and they talked about a really interesting concept of why this draft class was so deep at wide receiver. And they were talking about um, how seven on seven spring ball now in high school, because of the contact rules, what they did is they basically created a seven on seven spring league for kids to continue playing without contact. And the thing is that's where you start seeing these cornerbacks and these linebackers and these guys that were really projected to play different positions or tight end transitioning to wide receiver, because there's so many more opportunities to be seen, which is why these draft classes the last few years are full and littered with a ton of wide receivers with a lot of talent that weren't the typical wide receiver that we were seeing. So what I'm trying to get at is there's more of an opportunity for these guys to be successful in, in the NFL, maybe a little bit sooner than later, but that does not translate to going against a number one cornerback, a number one. I mean, it's just different competition. You're exactly right. You're, you're, you're dead on. Right. Especially somebody who, you know, a monster that gets paid 
15, $20 million a year to do nothing but shut you down. And this is your first step in the NFL. Like you're going to, you're going to have a hard time. Everybody goes, Oh, well, Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson got to play the lions and the bears four times. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, you get four tune up games. Trust me, you can go out there and, and start figuring it out right quick. Yeah. Right? How did he do against Jair Alexander? And even, it, you know, in his rookie year and then this this year, how did he do against a rookie in, in Stokes? He didn't he didn't set the world on fire. He scored no, a he, touchdown, but yeah. it was less than 60 yards. You know, yeah. like you think about just where we are and trying to get Justin Jefferson going against that type of competition was pretty much shut down when you're going against elite guys. And at this point, pretty much at every level, you're going to have some sort of elite players on every single team that are going up against these wide receivers. And that's part of my concern is just, I don't know how much these guys are actually going to bring. I mean, I'm excited about Dobbs and what he's going to bring in. Um, in the return game, I think the punt return game more than anything, but not as a wide receiver. We need to rely on the Lazards and the Cobbs and those guys that are already on the team, right? I mean, and this is at every level, not just wide receiver. This is with the linebackers. This is with our cornerbacks. This is with our safeties. This is with the edge players. We brought in a bunch of really good players, but where are they going to slot in and how is that going to work when we can't pay anybody to fill in those holes that we're going to have to do during the season? That's what Matt LaFleur and Goody do. It's a 365 a year roster build, right? I'm just glad I don't have the headache of trying to fix all that. Right. Because it, it'll just be a headache. And you know what? I keep in mind, I still think a major roster move will happen. I still think a trade of some sort, somebody is going to go somewhere. We've, we've got to have something come completely off the books. All, we just have to have something come completely off the books. We, we can't take it. We need yeah. $14 million. Where are yeah. we going to get $14 million? Jair, Lazard, Crosby, and Cutting Lowry are the that's because literally we have restructured and re signed and extended and given fifth year options and done everything we possibly can except for those four players. I mean, Cobb is basically pay, playing for tickets. And he did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. See what he did. I mean, he literally said, no, I just want to be on this team. No other player is going to do that. I mean, Cobb's had a, a, a story career. He's playing with his best friend, right? I mean, he's where he wants to be. His family loves Green Bay. We're glad to have him back. But, I mean, I'm going to go through this real quick, and I want you to tell me on this, on this projection of 53-man roster, and I'm going to kind of give it through and tell me how realistic this is, right? Because we're going to have to make some moves. So, obviously, we're going to keep Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. Kurt Benker. Wow. I don't know about Jordan Love. I don't know about Jordan Love. He's, he's a cap hit, and we could probably get something for him. Jordan Love is a possibility of leaving. Now, at the same time, if Aaron's only staying for one year, Jordan's not going anywhere. Right. <laughs> so you tell me, but he's, his name is on the board with a big question mark beside it. Yeah. And you know that Garoppolo is going to be off of the trading block because Trey Lance is not advanced. So he's done um, $18 million for Baker Mayfield. I don't know who's going to pay that. They're probably going to have to cut him post June deadline. Right. And somebody's going to pick him up for free. So he's done. Colin Kaepernick is kicking tires, but I, I just, I think he's too much of a dynamic guy outside of the that nobody wants to bring into the building right i Just, think he wants a now it wasn't that he was wrong because he's clearly right 
Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. was clearly right, but I think he wants a podium more than a jersey. I agree. I agree with that's that. That's what I. That's what I think. Now, running backs, we typically carry four into the season. So right now we've got Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and Kylan Hill projected, but we're going to need a fourth running back. We don't have money for it. Or who would that fourth running back be? Right? I mean, we brought in some un- undrafted. Yeah. 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 We've got a few of them out there that are working out. Yeah. And then at tight end, uh, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan, we know are on the team. We know Josiah DeGuara is on the team. Tyler Davis is still technically on the team. And the only wild card is Mac, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We can make money by cutting Mac. <laughs> so bring him in. Maybe he didn't cut it. It's, it, you know, I, I think it's a bigger name. Like instead of piecing off eight minor role guys, what if one guy went? Right. Exactly. Well, don't, don't even, I know what you're thinking. I, there's, there's five or six guys that come to mind when you think of the big money that they demand that we could do without. Now, I don't want to do without them, but we could do without them. I don't think we've really lost what we were expecting to lose this year because of the situation that we're in with having to sign Rashawn Gary here pretty quick, having to sign all these guys. We were expecting major casualties. I don't think we're done. Is no. you're getting at what I'm getting at. Be prepared. But here's, here's a, you know what? Here's a name for you. David yeah. Bakhtiari. Yeah. David Bakhtiari. I, and like, you, you know, you joke around about Jair. You might be mentioning Bakhtiari, but look, we don't know. And it looks like Bach, you saw him a little bit. He, they're starting to, you're starting to get some news at Bakhtiari's almost at a hundred percent. And, but you look at this offensive line, but again, so let's go to the offensive line before I go back to wide receiver. We'll touch up wide receiver at the end. So offensive line, we normally carry nine, right? But we play 12. So I expect us to carry an extra lineman into that. And that's kind of where I was projecting. And then when I looked at Ken Ingles thing, it's like, sure enough, here it is. He's got David Bakhtiari, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Eldon Jenkins, Josh Nyman, Sean Ryan, obviously the Rook, right? He's got Cole Van Lannan, and then he's got Zach Tom and Rasheed Walker. So three draft picks on our offensive line. Why? Because they're cheap. Yeah. So yeah. offensive line, I think we're good. We won't lose anybody, and that's why I think David Bakhtiari is safe because we've got enough young guys on smaller contracts where we're not allocating so much money. I'm just, I'm, line. I'm just, I'm just playing roulette, right? No, like all I'm saying is, is like, listen, if we lost one guy, that would save all of our. Now, who would that one guy be? Obviously, if we lost Aaron Rodgers, that would free up a ton of fucking money. But we're not going to do that. If we lost David Bakhtiari, that would free up a ton of money. And then you asked yourself, would the offensive line suffer as much without Bakhtiari? Reminding yourself of last year where Josh Nyman actually played really well in that position. So maybe. He's a maybe. He's a maybe. And maybe he'll be kind of similar to what Robert Tunyon is going to be this year. Kylan Hill's going to be this maybe, year. Maybe Tunyon. Um, and maybe, where they maybe start I'll... on the pup. You know, I think the way that they're going yeah. to figure those guys out is put them on the pup first because then you take that off of the books for the cap until they come in and then you get rid of somebody. But, I mean, we're going to carry more linemen. Why? Because yeah. – 
saw how yeah. critical it was. And we, yeah. a lot of the reason that we lost the games that we did lose was because of the offensive line injuries. I mean, Eldon Jenkins going to start on the pup. Is yeah. he coming back? So yeah. now defensive line. And obviously we, we, uh, Brought in Jonathan I, Ford as an as a draft pick and Devontae Wyatt, obviously at twenty eight, yeah. right? Um, but there's no that, there's no fat on the defensive line because no. the only one that you would say, hey, we'll save money with is Kenny Clark, and you ain't getting rid of, of Kenny Clark. Period. Period. Right? Okay. Like Jordan and, and Reed is like what three million. Slayton is in his second year of his rookie deal, right? So he's probably about a one point five or something. Lowry. Here's the name, Dean Lowry, buddy. That's yeah. six dollars. That's that's it. That's it. It's Dean Lowry for six million bucks. Right. Now does Just six does six get us there though? No. No. We need we need like 18, 19. So okay, six. Now we're now we got 12 more to go. Who's the right. other 12 million bucks? And you get into linebacker now, and you've got Devondre Campbell, obviously, who we just paid bank to. We've got Kwai Walker. Rookie contract. Both of those guys not going anywhere. They're nope. in like Flynn. In. That's then it. Chris Barnes is probably going to stay, right? I mean, he's still cheap. But they're cheap. But yeah. Barnes and Ramsey are cheap. Yep. And then uh, Isaiah McDuffie is the one guy that he signed through 2023. So they kind of worked his contract to keep him on. So linebackers set. We're not moving anything there. Yeah. Like even if we got rid of two of those linebackers, what are we looking at? Maybe saving a million and a half, two million bucks. Now we're out three players and we've still got 10 more million to go. Like, I just don't see us getting rid of a ton of guys. I see it happening to one or possibly two. So let's stay with Lowry. Lowry so far is a top of the line cut. He is somebody that we could possibly see being cut. Okay. Yep. Lowry. Then we get to DB. And I know Carla right now is throwing a book up against the wall, screaming, Matt, damn you. All I'm saying is, is you're not going to get rid of Stokes. Stokes is on a rookie deal and he's next to nothing. You ain't going to get rid of Douglas because you just signed Douglas and set it mm -hmm. up. The only guy in the DB room that's on, on the edge is Jair, but then even even Jair, if we cut him, what's he worth right now? Like six million. Yeah, it's not enough. It's it's, it's not better enough. to restructure the deal and yeah. get him, keep him on the team. So he's not going yeah. anywhere. No. And the other guy that's signed through 2023 is Shamar Jean Charles, who you guys remember yeah. we brought in. Yeah. But keep and then KB on Ento, the preseason darling cheap. that just lay in the wood, cheap. And then they did bring in the unrestricted free agent for this class, which was Kayshawn Nixon, right? And don't so, forget uh, Tariq, uh, the safety that they're going to use uh, slash. He ain't going anywhere. Like uh, those seven guys that signed, they ain't going anywhere unless they can't make the team. And that's the safety side of it. So on safety, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. But then here's where it gets, again, remember, we talked about safety being such a critical component to this. And it might play out where it's not as important because – with uh, Tariq Carpenter coming in and playing more of that linebacker, like come down yeah. and hit type of safety. The only before, after that, we've got Vernon Scott, buddy, and Ennis Gaines or Inus Gaines. Like, yeah, there's no depth there. We're going to have to, but do there's no, there's no, there's no fat there either. Like, the no. only guy that is sort of, I mean, I guess you could say Savage, but Savage isn't expensive and then you go back over to Amos and it's like yeah well if we lost Amos then there goes the whole backbone of the uh safety group right so there's no fat there either so Nothing. this is the this is the where, where 
do we get lean? All right. Lowry. Lowry leaves for Lowry leaves for six million, and then we're still okay. 12 million short. So we're playing G- GM. And yep. let's just assume we need 15 million. So we need nine million dollars, okay. all right? Just okay. to because that's how much we spent last year. We went into the season with 15 million, finished with 1.2 at the end of the season. So let's try edge. Are we going to, what about Preston, Rashawn, no, or Garvin no. all signed through 2023? And then. No, Jake but Nick even, and but even if you get rid of Garvin, what's Garvin? 1.25 or 1.27? Like he's cheap. He's cheap. No money. No, there's no, there's nothing there. There's nothing in the linebackers. There's nothing in the safeties. There's nothing in the DBs. You ain't going to get rid of Kenny Clark. So then you switch back over to the offense. And the only thing that's sitting there. I mean, I guess you could make an argument for Aaron Jones, but the lack of wide receiver strengthens the argument to keep Aaron Jones. You like might there's just team in targets. Yeah, dude. right. Like, so then who do you there's no one? I mean, Jordan Love, but then Jordan Love comes up at what 4.8 or something this year. Like again, he's not. I I don't know. You know what? This is going to be a rust ball magician the rabbit comes out of the hat and boom it's fixed right uh, i i'm excited to see it um and we need to carry more so we average five wide receivers on the 53 but without Devonte adams we're gonna have to carry more wide receivers right to fill in that gap of what he does yeah. and we've got alan lazard there's somebody who wants more money that can be restructured, yeah. but are we going to commit long-term to Alan Lazard to save three? Let's assume that we sign Alan Lazard, right? And we get 3 million bucks. So now we need another 6 million Six. still. Uh, Christian Watson's not going anywhere. Uh, Randall Cobb isn't going anywhere. Uh, Amari Rogers isn't going anywhere. Romeo Dobbs is not going anywhere. The only other person that we've got is the person that we brought in, the veteran that everybody was clamoring for, right? Like we want, a, we need a veteran in here. Sammy Watkins, 1.89 million with a very friendly see you later contract, but we'd save a million bucks cutting him. So we're still needing $5 million and where are we going to get the money? I was just I, like, I just, I could not wrap my head around. How are we going to get this team? Like I'm excited about the draft. I'm concerned about the long-term prospects of how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to do it. I'm excited. I, I, I'm yeah. sitting on the edge of my seat going, I, I, I'm convinced somebody is going to go somewhere. Maybe a couple of trades happen. Maybe we trade Lowry and I don't know. I, I'm just speculating, right? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I hope they keep absolutely everybody we got and grab another wide receiver. That's what I'm hoping for. What's going to happen? Tune in and find out next week on Tales from the Cap. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Wichita, Kansas. From the UK. From Los Angeles. From Northern Wisconsin. From Nova Scotia. From the Derby City, Louisville, Kentucky. From Central Illinois. From Southern Cali. From Turkey. Omaha, Nebraska. From California. From Melbourne, Australia. From Chicago, Illinois. From the UK. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And go pack go. Go pack go. Thank you for listening to Packers Without Borders. You can catch us on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, 
Amazon, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcast. And don't forget to follow us on patreon.com front slash Packers Without Borders for some exclusive content behind the scenes. Check out our merchandise on Public Packers Without Borders. Peace. Go Pack Go. Matt and Bruce. Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. Bruce and Matt. Bruce and Matt. Bruce and Matt. Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. Bruce and Matt. Matt and Bruce. Matt and Bruce. Matt and Bruce. Bruce and Matt. Packers without borders. Packers without borders. Packers without borders. Packers without borders. You are listening to my dad and his friend Bruce on Packers without borders. All right. So uh, normally. uh, Monday's uh, second half segment, as we're about to go to it, uh, is hosted by uh, Alex Brown, who does our uh, barbecuing and our grilling. Alex is uh, dealing with a handful of uh, personal um, complications, issues. Uh, he's uh, doing just fine. He uh, needs to take some time away. We said absolutely. You know, Health, uh, love, and family first before some podcasts. That's what I'm saying. So uh, today, uh, this is what this is our plan to go forward. We're going to keep doing this segment. Uh, today, I'm going to give you my hickory smoked garlic chicken recipe. Next week, Bruce is going to give you a recipe. We're going to go back and forth. In the meantime, we talked to uh, Jess Prylis. She is the uh, inventor of uh, Hardcore Carnivore, the uh, barbecue rubs. She is a award-winning. She is a monster in the barbecue grill and smoking uh, world. She has said she's going to come on. She's going to uh, do a little bit of work for us. And uh, we have a couple other uh, big guests uh, in how the much works. More, how much more Packers Without Borders can you be with an Australian woman that married a Texas guy and lives in Texas, dude? Right? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't... I, uh, I don't, I don't understand. So she, she does barbecue and she has an Australian accent. I mean, this is going to be perfect. This is going to be perfect. Second I wonder half, how many times I'm going to say, put another shrimp on the Bobby. I'll edit that out. Uh, I apologize, will. Jess. Okay. Hey, good looking. What you got cooking? So this is my hickory smoked garlic chicken recipe for all you guys out there. I like to use my smoker. I have an electric smoker. It's a charboil. It uh, uses uh, wood chips, not pellets. So you uh, fill in a little bucket full of chips. When you're using uh, chicken or uh, pork or fish, you want to be using a lighter wood, not the mesquites, or, but you want to use like a pecan, apple, cherry wood, something of that nature, maybe a maple, you know, the meat's not as dense. So you don't want to overpower it with uh, a strong, strong wood. So you're going to take a, like a four pound chicken. You're going to get four cloves of garlic, uh, about a uh, quarter teaspoon of onion powder, a third of a cup of softened butter, half a cup or half a small yellow onion, some uh, 
salt. I like to use sea salt. If you see them, they come in uh, like a little grinder, almost like a pepper grinder. I like to use that stuff. The sea salt tastes way better and you use a lot less of it. Uh, cracked black pepper. Here's a question and, for you uh, yeah. on the salt because I do, I, I've, and I'm not shooting, I probably have about eight different types of salts. I have smoked salts. I've got um, Himalayan salt, the, you know, the rock salt that you do. But one of the things that they've told me that's really good for meat or anything that you're going to be doing, if you're just going to use like rubs or anything like that, um, they say to get kosher salt, which is a lot less salty. But as soon as you get whatever it is that you buy, you actually put the kosher salt before you freeze it. Um, and it just says huh. it kind of doesn't overpower it, but it, it, and it preserves it too. So you don't get that freezer burn on it. If you put huh. the salt in it before you put it in the freezer, but it has to be that kosher salt. Okay. So sea salt, the bigger, coarser salt, right? The bigger, the bigger chunks. That's, that's what I like to use. Okay. So of course you, uh, you, you rinse. Okay. The first thing you want to do is set the temperature of your smoker to about 250. And I like to give it a good 45 minutes to an hour to get up to temperature and to get that smoke going. You really want that smoke billowing before you put the chicken in there or you, before you put the meat in there because you don't want the outside to start getting cooked and hard and then the smoke affecting it. You want the smoke right away on that raw meat. That way it really soaks it right in and you get that great flavor, right? So you rinse the chicken, pat it dry with uh, some paper towels, combine the uh, two minced cloves of garlic, the uh, quarter teaspoon of onion powder and butter, mix it all together, okay? Loosen the skin on the breast of the chicken, okay? I kind of do it near like where the neck is, or even if you go back where the legs are, maybe even make a couple of little cuts just so you can get underneath the skin of the chicken, okay? Stick your the finger in there to kind of loosen, like yeah. disconnect it from the meat itself? Yeah, yeah, that way you can stick the butter mixture under the skin, mm. Mm. okay? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, place about, uh, a third of it under the skin, place about another third, you know, all over and place another third on the inside of the chicken. Now here's a tip that nobody else is going to give you here, folks. And I want you to write this down. Okay. Whenever I'm doing chicken or turkeys in the oven or in the smoker, I always take a piece of citrus, either grapefruit or an orange, okay, I cut it in half and I put half that orange inside the chicken. So that way it heats up and it kind of steams the inside of the chicken, it helps keeps it really moist. That's a tip my grandmother used to give me, boy. And I'll tell you, everybody always says, why is your turkey so moist? <laughs> that's, that's, that's why. why. That's why, okay. So you're gonna season the outside of it, of course, with your uh, uh, cracked black pepper and your coarse salt. Of course, any of your other seasoning rubs that you like to use on chicken would, of course, work on that. We, I kind of like this because the salt and pepper, because I like the, the skin to be garlicky, buttery, and salt and peppery. That's kind of like, you know, the taste I'm going for. That's your palate. Yeah. That's, that's what I like on this one. Okay. So uh, you're going to want to put that uh, chicken in the smoker. Okay. Um, if uh, you have multiple racks like I do, you're going to want to put it, I like to put it right in the middle of the smoker. That way, you know, the smoke all envelops it and, and keeps it in there. Uh, you wanna make sure the chicken gets to an internal temperature of 165 degrees. That means it's safe to cook. Um, uh, you're gonna let that chicken rest for about 20 minutes before you slice into it. The resting, like Alex had mentioned last time, super important. Gotta let that meat, the meat tenses up, right? 
and it, it'll start to push out the juices. And then when you let it rest, it kind of relaxes and it soaks those juices back in. Like it, that's when it becomes really flavorful. Okay. So honey smoked garlic chicken in the smoker. That's how I do it. That's how the ex that's how uh, an expert told me how to do it. Uh, whole chicken at uh, 250 uh, degrees Fahrenheit, you're going to cook for about 30 to 45 minutes per pound to get it up to that 165. So if you don't use a four pound, just remember that at 250 degrees, 30 to 45 minutes per pound to get it up to uh, 165. Enjoy. Enjoy that smoker, baby. Now, <laughs> here's something I, I would ask you, because I live in the desert. Obviously, temperature zones have a lot to do with the external temperature of what you're trying to do affects, obviously, the internal temperature. Do you have any kind of tips or tricks in terms of colder weather? It's still summer. You know, we're getting into spring, but it's still kind of cold. If people want to do that and it's a little bit chillier, do you have any suggestions in terms of how to maintain the heat in there? What do you need to do? You know, okay, if it's room temperature let's say it's 20 degrees celsius outside okay you're going to be just fine you're going to be right in the middle of the road when it is super hot maybe turn it down just a little bit instead of going 250 remember low and slow is the way to go low and slow is the way to go right when it's uh, a little bit colder crank it up a little bit and remember these are approximate cooking times right everybody's stove, everybody's barbecue, everybody's smoker, everybody's equipment is different at everybody's house. And you've got to adjust for that. There's been times where uh, it's just a little bit chilly. And so I'll do my ribs for another 45 minutes outside. Or instead of at 225, I kick them up to 235, 240, just to get it up there. Check on it. Check on it. Don't check on it in that first if it's got to cook for say four hours, don't check on it the first two hours. Let it sit there. Let it, you see the smoke coming out of it. It's doing its thing. Let that smoke get in there and absorb. That way you don't upset the taste, but check on it. It's okay to use the thermometer. I know Alex kind of uh, uh, teased us a little bit with don't use the thermometer. I use a thermometer. I have two different, I have a digital and I have the old school where you stick it in and the dial turns. I use both. Right. Because the last thing I want to do is take it out of there, bring it inside the house and find out that it needed 20 more minutes. Right. Yeah. Cause that's, that's where you lose all the juices and you lose everything. That's where stuff gets dry. So yeah. when you told me that you were going to do chicken today, yeah, there is a Spanish lesson, something that you can pair with chicken that is really good to drink. Ooh. Ooh. Mezcal. It is a type of mezcal and is literally called pechuga mezcal pechuga okay. is spanish for breast and literally what they do so mezcal is much smokier which is why some people do like it other people don't but pechuga mezcal is actually done where during the process of fermentation of the alcohol they actually hang uh, chicken breast raw chicken breasts in the smoker and let the juices drip into the mezcal itself Obviously, because it alcohol, it kills the bacteria, kills all the salmonella. But that flavor, when you're eating chicken, because chicken is a mild meat, right? Like you've got the flavor on the outside, what you're saying. That's why you love that crusty. If you could, I bet you, you would probably just the take whole bucket, the off, a whole bucket, a whole bucket, bucket of skin. skin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So That's the best. As you're going through that, if you have a little mezcal, the pechuga mezcal, you don't need to put anything else on it. Have that along with your beer and just kind of sip that. It helps kind of bring out the flavors of the chicken because you're actually combining that piece of it so pechuga mezcal is good for chicken when you're grilling there you go wow you know what else is good for chicken uh beer 
And uh, beer is always good with chicken. Let me yeah. tell you. When I'm talking about mezcal, it's not taking shots. It's sipping it with, it's like your chaser, right? Like you got your beer and you got your shot. That's the one you, that, that, that's, that's what we I do. Uh, we like to do whole chickens uh, because of the leftover. I find that uh, with chicken, uh, you think it tastes good today, put it in the fridge and try it tomorrow. That smoke taste really gets in there and really kind of affects it. Holy moly, is it good. I'm telling you, fantastic. Hope you enjoyed the uh, chicken recipe. Uh, Bruce will have one for you next week. Uh, hopefully we have uh, Jess Prilis on uh, sooner rather than later. She's um, awesome, but she's also very busy. So we're working on scheduling. and Yeah, it's going to be a bit. It's going to be a little bit, but we're, 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 we're open to any time at midnight, six in the morning, whatever Whoa. it takes, whatever, whatever. Whatever it takes. That's what we do for this podcast, okay? Whatever it takes. Right, Whatever it takes. Oh, yeah. Right on. All right. Monday, awesome. mailbag, barbecue, tick, tick to all the boxes. Did we say something funny today? I don't know. Probably. Maybe. Uh, if you have any mailbag questions, don't forget you can send them to us. Uh, DM us at Borders Packers, Packers Without Borders, uh, via Twitter. Uh, you can also... Uh, Send us a message uh, on our Facebook page, Packers Without Borders, or at Packers Without Borders, all one word, at Outlook.com. Monday, episode done. Post-Mother's Day episode. Happy Post belated Mother's, Mother's Day. Day to all those mothers out there. And don't forget, we just threw up another episode on Patreon. You'll be getting those frequently or infrequently. We're trying to be pretty consistent with it, but you'll get a couple extra episodes in there. Don't forget to visit us at... Patreon, Packers Without Borders, and support the show. Really appreciate you guys. Um, depending if you can throw some random number, whether it's a dollar, two dollars, three dollars a month, whatever you decide to do, first person to do that gets the tier named out of them. So whatever you throw at us, we will name a tier after you. And hopefully we can get some of you guys in there tossing some money our way. Tears on my pillow, pain in my heart, over. Hugh. Right on. Peace. Take care, buddy. Bye. Go pack go. This has been Packers Without Borders. Try and be kind to one another. Try and love each other. And go pack go. Esto ha sido Empacadores Sin Fronteras. No se les olvide cuidarnos unos a los otros. Hasta luego. And listen to a story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food, and up to the ground come a bubbling crude. Oil, that is, black gold, Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. The kinfolk said, Jed, move away from there. Said, California is the place you want to be. So they loaded up the truck and the motor